MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, let's do it. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. VSIN, the sports betting network, got huge news as the NFL continues to deliver. We welcome you in on a Thursday. We creep, get closer and closer. Championship Sunday, January 25th, 2024. Hope you're having a nice week. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, live downtown Las Vegas. We are stacked today, so 45 minutes of information, and then we're going to dive into the guests. Russell Brown, we're going to go to the Lions. Josh Applebaum, we're going to go to the Lions. Shane Trail, new handicapper. Brennan White, DraftKings U.S. team lead. And then Matt Derrick, we're going to go to the Chiefs. That is on the dock, and I'm going to say hi to the boys here in a second, but quickly update you on the numbers coming up championship weekend. That's what we do here. Kansas City, Baltimore. DraftKings has gone to four on Baltimore. DraftKings was juiced to 112 yesterday at three and a half on Baltimore. Again, that is the indicator. That tells you which way the wind is blowing. They have officially gone to four. You see the number there, 44 and a half. Detroit, San Francisco. DraftKings has gone to seven and a half. My goodness gracious. Here we go. Seven and a half. It's even money. So we could be headed back to seven. My assumption is by the time. Let's have a little experiment, shall we? Let's play a game. Will DraftKings be seven and a half by the time we sign off in two hours and 59 minutes? My assumption is no. My guess is it gets hit back down to seven. Let's have some fun with it. okay? because that's generally a number. Remember, three and seven, the two key numbers. But once you come off that three to either two and a half or three and a half, that's a huge move in NFL and college betting and specifically with the NFL coming off that seven, a big move. Okay. having said all that, let's say hi to the boys. I'm all sure how we feeling today feeling pretty good uh I'll tell you what these job opportunities in the nfl are like a game of musical chairs there's fewer and fewer chairs remaining there are three head coaching chairs remaining dustin sweetelson what's cracking today uh i like we are in the second to last weekend of NFL action. So you would think at this point, like you have a general feel for things like, you know, how things are going to shake out, how the lines possibly going to move. Couldn't be further from how I saw the line move on both of these games playing out. The fact that we're going up over a touchdown with the Lions catching seven and a half on the road and the fact that we went from slightly over a field goal at three and a half and it went up to four, not down to a field goal with the defending champs on the road. I literally had didn't see any of this coming. I couldn't have a worse feel for these games. And for your boy, Dan Campbell, surprised that we're going over a touchdown with him because did you know? Since he took over, the Lions are 36 and 17 against the spread. The best record in the NFL in that time span. Well, 21 the and 10 Lions is dogs. Not, 
not only, well, the Lions were the best ATS team in football this year, and you're right, Dan Campbell's been great ATS because he is Bill Walsh. Okay, so let's talk about this now. If you want breaking news, listen, I've been telling you this for a while. Why not come to us? This is not a show that waffles. We don't stand on fences. We don't straddle. We tell you exactly what's going to happen. We broke the news before Schefter last week, Antonio Pierce. I got my guys on the ground, boots on the ground in Vegas. They were so vociferous that Antonio Pierce is going to be hired in Vegas, and boom, we got it before Schefter. And then we told you, sharp money, we told you that it doesn't matter what happens in the semis with Alabama and Michigan. It doesn't matter what happened in the national championship game. Harbaugh will have coached his last game, whether he lost to Alabama or whatever happens in the national championship game. And last night, of course, it came to fruition. So uh, I often give the take first, boys, but I want to let you have an opportunity. So I'll just set it up. Harbaugh, uh, again, he is been named the Los Angeles Chargers head coach. My assumption is we're all going to agree. Home run, Amal Shaw. Absolutely. You look at his career, San Diego, University of San Diego, the Toreros, he led them to the PFL conference title. Stanford, he led them to the first ever BCS Bowl victory, 49ers first Super Bowl appearance since 94. And then, of course, uh, Michigan, their first playoff wins in a national championship in 25 years. You can say whatever you want about him personality-wise, but whatever it is, what's the secret sauce or whatever makes him tick, players are able to relate to him in a certain capacity, and he's been successful wherever he's been. And then the other thing I would add, and you look at Josh Johnson, played had a long career, not a distinguished one, but played a long time in the National Football League. Andrew Luck, first overall pick. Colin Kaepernick had a successful run when he was in San Francisco with him. J.J. McCarthy somehow is going to end up stealing over $10 million in the NFL draft, and now he's got a quarterback in Justin Herbert, who I think all three of us are in agreement universally that he has a chance to be in that rarefied era of Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen with the right tutelage. Dustin Sweetelson, Jim Harbaugh, 60 years old. He's coming to Los Angeles to take over the Chargers. I think it's important that it's not just a home run for for him, but it's a home run for the Chargers specifically. I think anyone who took this job, because it's the AFC West, because you're going to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, every single year and he could stand in the way of you making the postseason you needed a head coach who wasn't scared of that jim harbaugh fears nobody there is no fear in his dojo he wants the challenge he wants to go up against the best he like gets off on it like he is driven by the fact that someone might be better than him and he wants to match up with them so i think from that perspective from the afc west you have to have someone willing to knock down Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Jim Harbaugh is the best man for the job that was out there. It's not even close. And then for Jim Harbaugh, all this guy does is build programs. All he does is win. First year at Stanford, they go from 1-11 to 4-8. First year in San Francisco, they go from 6-10 to 13-3. Michigan, 5-7 to 10-3. That's an average win improvement in those three jobs at five wins in his first year. That is insane. Yeah, you guys both nailed it. It's a 20 out of 10 home run hire. You know, Atlanta would have hired him before Bill Belichick. Any team with an opening would have taken Jim Harbaugh. You guys laid out the reasons why he's won everywhere he's gone. Is he eccentric? Yeah, but he's authentic. And that's what you like about Jim Harbaugh. Also, as far as Michigan's concerned, nine years he came, he delivered a national championship and he got out. Is it perfect for Michigan? No, but Jim Harbaugh's no no dummy either. He saw the penalties coming. The NCAA is going to levy sanctions against the program. And he saw a bunch of seniors, more than anybody, leaving the program. Next year is going to be a rough slate for Michigan. And a couple things about Harbaugh. I, look, I'm not going to get moral here, so you can do what you want with this information. But Dustin mentioned his competitive nature. He showed you at Michigan. He's more than willing to cheat. He will do anything to gain an edge. And I'm not even being, I'm not, this is not anything to make jokes about it like the dude is just a psychopath and if you're running a franchise that's comp competition you kind of want a psychopath and jim harbaugh's ready to cheat willing to cheat and is going to cheat and you know what else he's gonna do he's gonna win with the los angeles chargers and he's gonna take a guy that dustin sweetelson has started to doubt although remember dustin's on team doc rivers but dustin has (laughs) sorry dustin dustin has started to doubt justin herbert legit i the idea, the concept of doubting Justin Herbert, it, 
it puts you on another planet. Like there, there is no doubting Herbert and he, Mr. Harbaugh D Sweetelson is going to show you why. Well, I, I doubt, I don't doubt the physical skills. I doubt the wiring right now in the brain. It just feels like he's a little bit soft. He's not a killer. Him and Trevor Lawrence are kind of in the same boat for me. It's all there. And at some point we have to put some of the blame on him. Now, Jim Harbaugh could come in and this is the type of guy who can rewire that brain, rewire that man mentality and put him over the top where now the mind matches the skills. I think a few things. First of all, you guys are absolutely right on Harbaugh and what he's going to bring to the table here. But in terms of Herbert, I'll give you an NBA comp. You know, everyone used to say Dirk Nowitzki was soft because he wasn't outwardly vocal or maybe didn't show as much emotion. But uh, these guys at this level are incredibly competitive. And then back to Harbaugh's competitive nature, you talked about Patrick doing anything to win. Jed Fish said it. He's the most competitive person he's been around. And there's a lot of similarities when you look at it against one of his nemesis, and that's Pete Carroll. Remember, Pete Carroll left before the Cavalry came calling for him at USC. He goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Harbaugh was from Stanford. He goes to the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And one of the things that Dustin laid out very well, he's not afraid of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I go back to the game that they had in Los Angeles against USC. They scored, made it 48. They go for two. It's the old famous handshake game where he goes, what's your deal? And to me, that's one thing I like about Harbaugh. He's going to bring an enthusiasm that's been lacking in that program there with the uh, Chargers. Yeah, you mentioned Pete Carroll. I wonder what the Spanos family did when he threw his hat in the ring and they're like, oh, no, now what do we do? Do we take Jim Harbaugh at 60, who just won a national championship, or Pete Carroll at 72? Let's miss the postseason two years in a row up in Seattle. I think that it was an easy decision. They did hire a firm here in Los Angeles to help him apparently search for a head coach. (laughs) I would like to be one of those firms. Is that not the best job in the world? I, I could point to Harbaugh and say he seems like a good option. Now give me my millions <laughs> with a ski mask on. Uh, you know, another thing, he he can put together a staff like you know Fangio was on that staff, Greg Roman was on that staff, uh, David Shaw was on his staff. Obviously with Stanford, I think he's going to bring Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, with him from Michigan, who is a young hot coach that everybody loves. So he's going to put together a staff now. Los Angeles, the Chargers are in a tough spot. They've got older vets that are constantly hurt. Bosa, Nick Bosa, excuse me, Joey Bosa never plays football. So they've got a bunch of guys. The wide receivers are getting a little bit older, but they've got guys that are constantly hurt and they are in cap hell, Yeah, which is a good reason in the same division for the Raiders to take their cast off and Tom Telesco. Telesco leaves the Chargers. Just think about the network. What is he good at golf? Telesco leaves the Chargers in cap hell and the Raiders are like we'll take them but that's the situation it's gonna be it'll be an interesting road to navigate for Harbaugh but he'll win there's zero doubt that he's gonna win that's what he does everywhere that's all he does like he shows up and he makes people better I'm curious how some of the veterans react to his style obviously he can't come in and be the guy he was at Michigan but you can't argue with the fact however he was with the 49ers it worked and they were consistent By the way, Patrick, you mentioned the salary cap between five players. They are looking at $70 million. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Derwin James. Yeah, no, they're going to have to clean it up. My, my guess is uh, some of those won't be on the team next year Get that you cut. just mentioned. They're, they're just going to continue to cut people. And Harbaugh can be who he wants. You know, he's just he's an authentic dude. People obviously galvanize around him. Now, we had a shocker this morning in Carolina. We're going to come back with it next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, 
pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. You want to see the implications Harbaugh to the Chargers on the market? Well, today in the VEASAN Daily by Bill AD, you had a link. So go check it out. You can sign up for free. VEASAN.com slash newsletter and get that link. And then you get expert picks. You get betting strategies, latest odds and trends, uh, links to what I mentioned as far as the top reads and latest podcasts all there for free. VEASAN.com slash newsletter every single morning. Start your day with old Bill AD. We welcome you back here on Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. It is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Plenty to do. We've got a ton of guests, so we're getting through the news of the day, and we just told you. So there were five openings at the beginning of the week. So the Raiders went Pierce. The Titans went Callahan. So Callahan was announced as the head coach, Tennessee Titans today, and a 10 out of 10. I told you guys that was a 10 out of 10 because the first thing he said when he got up there is, I'm going to be calling the plays. So I said, that's a great hire. Uh, Gerard Mayo, your boy with the Patriots. Dustin Sweetelson, big Gerard Mayo guy. Chargers have hired Jim Harbaugh. We told you here on Sharp Money that was going down. Now, something we didn't tell you on Sharp Money is what's happening with the Carolina (laughs) Panthers. But nobody on the planet, including this dude, thought he was getting the job. So when I tell you who is going to be the next head coach with the Carolina Panthers, you will say, who? Uh, And that is, even if you're one of the most ardent NFL fans, unless you live in Tampa Bay, Dave Canales probably doesn't ring a bell, but he is 42 years old. He was from literally three miles that way, Carson, California. As a matter of fact, he was coaching the offense at Carson High School in 2005. He is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, which is a wild move. Last year, he was the tutor there for Baker Mayfield, piloted Baker's best year as a pro, did a great job with the Tampa Bay offense, though the schemes protection wise, I'll just say this to pick them apart a little bit. Uh, the protection schemes against Detroit uh, left me wanting. However, the Carolina Panthers wanted him and they got him. Dave Canales Mall is the next head coach for the Panthers. Yeah, I think you summarized it extremely well. Everyone was like, who? Uh, he worked together in Seattle with Dan Morgan for a long time. He was the wide receivers coach in Seattle from 2010 to 2017. It was actually with the Hawks until 2022. This is his first time at a different NFL team outside of Seattle. So, long run there with the Seattle Seahawks, the familiarity. You know, Dustin talked about it, and more from a negative standpoint, I agree with him. It seems like so many people get hired, and it's life that's just the reality. On a relationship situation, that's what it was here. And Patrick, you said it best. Who the hell is this guy? I mean, he walked in, people were like, here's your name tag. Oh, I'm actually the guy here. They're, they're here for it for this press conference. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. You mentioned 
mentioned it, the lack of picking up the blitz in certain situations. Aiden Hutchinson looking forward to playing Carolina again next year, hoping for a stat padding against Bryce Young. Yeah, so so it's even crazier than that because so he's at Carson High School, which is where he played wide receiver. Then he went to Azusa Pacific University to play wide receiver. Then he comes back to his high school and he's not the head coach in 05. He is the offensive coordinator. He flips that offensive coordinator gig to a job at a local community college, El Camino College. Okay, so because he's at El Camino, this is the same time that Pete Carroll's at USC. They get to know each other. Pete Carroll likes them. Pete Carroll makes them an assistant weight trainer or assistant strength coach at USC. Pete cheats his ass off at USC, lights a match, throws it over his shoulder and burns down LA on his way to Seattle. Cause don't let anybody fool you. That hippie never wanted to leave USC. He just got into trouble. So he went to Seattle and he brought Canales with him. And as I'm all laid out, wide receiver coach, quarterbacks coach. So again, Geno Smith, he piloted his resurgence and then he was Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator. He hadn't been an offensive coordinator since I told you he was hanging out down the street from me running the offense for Carson High School. That is who is coaching the Carolina Panthers. And again, his job, his one job, Dustin Sweetelson, is to simply make Bryce Young good. If you're going to invest a first-round draft pick and give away a ton of assets, you need to bring somebody in that's going to make that dude good or the next 12 years are going to be a disaster. Yeah, and he's getting a lot of credit for Baker Mayfield looking good. It's not like Baker Mayfield looked great the last couple seasons, but he's certainly a guy who was number one overall pick for a reason, right? Like, I think Dave Canales in his one year calling plays, they were fine. They were okay. I wasn't wowed by it. There was a lot of, hey, Mike Evans is here. Let's make sure we get him the ball. It seems like a a really good game plan. My biggest concern, or my two biggest concerns, this one. His rush offense was 32nd. Yeah, Yeah. and by the way, Rashad White actually looked like a competent running back that they didn't use, but... uh, uh, I digress. Uh, Dan Morgan and the familiarity with Dave Canales. Is it, are, are we sure when you're the Carolina Panthers and you look around of what you're trying to build there and create something new, you want to have a GM who's been there for a while as an entrenched with a guy that he's just bringing along? Like, again, I'll, I'll stand by this with a lot of these hires. I want new ideas. I want fresh eyeballs. I want people with new thoughts. I get we want our coach and, and GM aligned here, but like the Panthers need a, a really big overhaul to just like go with the same because it's familiar. It doesn't seem like the best move to me. And then finally, you know, he spent a lot of time in Seattle. Seattle's wide receivers coach, 2010 to 17. Quarterbacks coach, 18 to 19. 20 to 21 is pass game coordinator. 22 is quarterbacks coach before coming over to Tampa Bay. They have an opening. Why are they not rushing to hire this guy? Why are they not thinking he's familiar with Geno Smith? He got Geno Smith to play the best football of his career. I think that would set off alarms to me is that Seattle knows him well. It's an offensive league. They could have brought him in there for their opening, and they're not pushing to make a a hire in Dave Canales. Carolina is going to be the one to get him. And I think ultimately, ultimately, when we look at the Carolina job, I think a lot of the good names don't want to be there because of David Tepper. I think uh, Dustin brings up a great point with the Seahawks. I didn't think about that. You know, they have the opening there still. You have tremendous familiarity with him. One of the things that people are pointing to is his success with Geno Smith. If it was that successful and you think you could duplicate it, why would you not bring him into that situation? And then the big question for me, guys, is and just both your takes on this. Where do you, are you on Bryce Young? For me personally, I think <laughs> you it's... fast as that no, every I know, show. But I, I, I can't. I only have the same answer. I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, so is this guy who doesn't have a ton of experience, had moder- moderate success in Tampa and Seattle? He's good with short you quarterbacks. Want. He was good with Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I, I'm just saying they don't have receivers. They don't have... I would. I just think if you have a young quarterback, I would go with somebody who's more experienced at this point in time. I don't yeah, think they have you're the right, though, man. If he if he makes if Bryce Young ends up being a good quarterback, then this was a good hire. If he ends up not, then it's not like that's literally the job that he is. He's being brought in to do. do. Do you think he can get two years with Bryce Young? Say he's not the guy and get a chance to get his own guy. Or do you think it's like you're tied to Bryce Young? And if it doesn't work, you're both out. I think we'll find out by the end of next year. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got to see some market improvement because nobody's going to cry when you fire Dave Canales. <laughs> and and I, I think Bryce Young, let's contrast the Bryce Young development to, to Jordan Love. I think we're going to see a transition in the NFL where we no longer see number one picks like like Bryce Young 
start right away just because they're a top pick. I think what people are seeing with Jordan Love is a guy who got the game to slow down from watching on the sidelines, and that's as big of a part as his physical tools have been in him having a great season this year. I have to admit, he had, I was against it for a long time, wasn't jumping on the bandwagon, but I think it's the cerebral part for Jordan Love. He's seeing things like play out in front of him, and when I watch Bryce Young, everything looks really fast to him, and he panics quickly. I think we're going to see going forward, maybe in this draft, there's going to be some quarterbacks picked maybe in the back end of that first round that don't start for a year or two. It brings up a bigger question about your boy. Why is Mike Vrabel still unemployed if he's the greatest <laughs> thing we've seen in many, many? Like, dude, I'm telling you, the Vrabel thing, it was so over. People were offended when Vrabel got, and you were one of them. I was. Offended when Vrabel got let go. I was. But he just interviewed twice with Carolina, and they took a dude that nobody's heard of. Maybe he said no to Carolina. There's no chance. Vrabel, would, Vrabel crawled on his hands and knees to Carolina, well, begging for a job. It sounds like Bill Belichick to Atlanta is not quite the slam dunk everyone <laughs> thinks. And Rich McKay, there's a power struggle happening. And Rich McKay, I'm sure him and uh, Vrabel overlapped at some point with the Patriots. Let me look. I said it on the show yesterday. And I texted it to my dad because my dad said Belichick to Atlanta. And I said, apparently he doesn't interview well. That's it. <laughs> Bill Belichick. Atlanta's now begging people. Bobby Slowick. Dave Canales thinks Bobby Slowick is random. <laughs> Atlanta is begging. Vrabel just had his third interview. Vrabel doesn't interview well as well. I think we could all just because one time with the record he's had for the first, I don't know, five years in Tennessee should be enough to be like, dude, this I, I'm the well, guy here. You could just call up his guys at bussing with the boys. I'm going to make your case right now, which I shouldn't. <laughs> but if you look at Vrabel's tenure. A lot of his success came because Arthur Smith figured out how to squeeze that last, like a, like a tube of toothpaste, that squeeze that last bit of talent out of Ryan Tannehill. Arthur Smith went away. Ryan Tannehill became Ryan Tannehill again, and everything fell apart for Mike Vrabel. So to your point, I, I might have to concede this one as well. I, maybe I was a little too emotional because he just seems like one of the bros. I yeah, I think people get caught up in the bro culture. It's the same thing with Cliff Kingsbury. Like, he's cool? So we're going to hire him to run the offense? Because you think he's cool and he hangs out with pretty girls? Grow up. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, you can get a VEASAN Pro annual subscription right now for $199 when you use the promo code SHARP. You get the daily best bets, betting splits, big game betting guides, everything we offer for a full year for $199 with the promo code SHARP. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe to sign up. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We got the boys at the D, downtown Las Vegas, Fremont Street, Tamal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. I'm going to be on the Canalis beat as soon as the show wraps up i'll go a few miles down the road to carson high school and see if we can get a reaction he is the new head coach in carolina with the panthers now let's see if he can develop bryce young that's the job uh, people get bitter about it i saw lewis riddick kind of becoming unhinged on social media talking about him getting hired but the bottom line is the quarterback matters and if you can develop a quarterback like canales did with geno smith like canales did with baker mayfield you're gonna have opportunities harbaugh is with the Los Angeles Chargers, also just a few miles down the road at SoFi, where they rent from the Rams. We should, boys, we should mention this as we are a sports betting network. Uh, not a ton to say about it. I think it's, you know, you're always going to have asymptote people, meaning tangential people and tangential ideas when you have an industry like sports betting and Keishon Butte, who was the boys told me a fifth round draft pick, I believe by the new England Patriots. I remember Butte in college was freaking awesome, uh, but he was busy. Apparently <laughs> wide receiver Keishon Butte was arrested in Baton Rouge on charges pertaining to illegal online gambling. So the wide receiver was accused of creating an alias that claimed he was 21 years old or older to illegally bet on sports games while he was an underage person at LSU. 
between 22 and 23, he was 20 years old at the time, allegedly placed 8,900 bets, which is, that's just a weekend for Dustin Sweetelson with futures. I mean, come on, Butte, catch up. Now, it's not a laughing matter, because if true, he could be facing some jail time. But that's the story. Again, the, the idea that there's not more stories like this is what makes the industry and should make the industry proud. There's always going to be outliers. There are always going to be people making bad decisions in any aspect, in any walk of life. And uh, Keishan Butte, fellas, if you feel like commenting, apparently did so. Yeah, I mean, obviously you mentioned it busy with almost uh, almost 9,000 bets. But, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, this is going to be the end of his career. Late round pick, two catches last year on seven targets for 19 yards. There's just no reason to worry about this type of thing. He's also facing a felony charge. So uh, I think it's going to be the end of road for him. And I'm, I'm actually surprised that the Calvin Ridley saga did not resonate more with players. And maybe it did with certain guys. But, you know, we saw a couple of guys from the Titans get suspended from gambling within the facility earlier this year. Nicholas Petit Frere among them. And hopefully some of the guys learn that this is going to hinder your opportunity to make, you know, boatloads of money in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I choose to look at it positively. It feels like gambling has been legal now in many States for many, many years. And we can start pointing to the stories we know of, right? I feel like at this point with the proliferation of sports betting all across the country, it feels like we should have unlimited stories coming up, but it's really not happening. I think for the most part, most part, the regulation and education of players has been pretty great. Yeah. I actually met someone out here who works in like the gaming regulation. I don't remember his exact job, but he said he was involved in the Ridley thing where they look for these, these inconsistencies and these things that don't add up and what they're tied to in the accounts and relations. And like, I think that's the biggest thing with legalized betting is that we now have people looking over all of this to make sure it's on the up and up. The biggest thing for me is 8,900 bets. I mean, guys, I had what I have six bets last night. Uh, Kyle Hunter, we've had on the show, gives out picks for a living. He went back and looked and said, I have released over 50, 5,400 plays since January 2017 in all of sports. Keishan Butte has 8,900 bets. And I guess the biggest thing we need to find out is how many bets were games he was involved in. Like, that's the issue. It was here. six. Six? Yeah. Six of 8,900? Yeah. <laughs> He's got to find some hobbies, man. Let's just say, just be very clear, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. This, is, this, this all has to be legally played out. Even though some of Butte's, I'm just reading directly from the story, Butte's illegal bets were placed during the final, his final season with the Tigers. He never, quote, bet against himself and did not throw games, according to sources. The wagers and payouts reportedly involved several, several hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so again, I, I choose to look at this Kind of on the bright side of things, it feels like this many years into the legalization of sports betting, the fact that we're just having kind of these stories trickle out is, is great news. So that's that. Let's see what happens with Keishan Butte. Okay. I wanted just to bring this up quickly because it is a team that won a national championship and we're going to start when we start forecasting college football for next year. I talked about the sanctions or penalties coming from the NCAA against Michigan. They're going to be harsh because Jim Harbaugh was cheating his butt off, won a national championship. Nobody in the state of Michigan is going to complain, but he got out of there and it does appear I'm 99% sure from what I'm, what I'm hearing from my sources that Sharon Moore is going to be the next head coach at Michigan. Now I want to get you guys take on this. Now Moore was the dude after they beat Penn State. Remember, he took over. He was crying. Boo-hoo. He's crying. Anyway, Harbaugh wanted him to be the next head coach at Michigan. The players wanted him to be the next head coach at Michigan. But it does bring up a bigger story. There's a transition them all. As far as cachet is concerned, Saban's gone. There's a transition now as far as names because Sharon Moore is going to get the job and people are going to be up in arms about it. Like, is that big enough for Michigan? But there aren't really those names out there. There's only one and it's Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer ain't coaching Michigan. But outside of that, there's a little bit of a transition right now as far as cachet and coaches in college football. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You mentioned Saban retiring, Kellen DeBoer going there. Washington hires Jed Fish. There was a lot of acrimony in Arizona, but it didn't seem like it really resonated across the college football landscape. And then Michigan, I think 
look, Harbaugh got them a national title, had tremendous success winning the last three Big Ten titles, but he left them in a tough spot here. I mean, you all of a sudden decide to take a job in the NFL, which was expected, and now really, I mean, if they didn't hire Sharon Moore, I don't know, even know who they would consider bringing him in at, in at this point in time. There's not a lot of great names out there that are available. And then you mentioned one other thing, Patrick, with the names in college football. To me right now, there's probably two names in college football that stand out, Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney. Other than that, most yeah. of the coaches, the programs are now getting back to being bigger than the head coaches currently. Yeah. And like some of the coaches have lost their luster, like a Jimbo Fisher, yep. his, his ascension was going crazy. He had a trajectory going like this. Nobody, he's persona non grata now. Like you just mentioned the two names, Dabo. Dabo's taken a bit of a hit as far as his apex was somewhere around the national championships. And it's, it's been a struggle because he was slow to come around to transfers. Now, Dabo is going to come around to transfers. Dabo is a very religious man and likes to preach to people, but he likes winning football games more than he likes Jesus Christ. So he is going to start doing things differently. That is facts. Whether or not. See, here's the thing, Dustin. They missed out. Kalen DeBoer was the hire. Kalen DeBoer was the hire at Alabama. Kalen DeBoer was the hire at Michigan. To me, that was always going to be the home run for whoever got him. Yeah, yeah. Michigan, You, I mean, you know this. Like, you grew up there. It's just such a unique place and the unique politics involved in the They're job. They're delusional. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. The, they hang on to the history so much. I mean, the whole Michigan man, they have to have ties to Schembechler somehow, like down the family tree. We're doing like Ancestry.com on their coaching <laughs> resume. Does, does swab anyone, his cheek. <laughs> hey, swab Sharon's cheek before you give him the job. Does anyone in your in your lineup of coaches you've learned under have any ties to Bo Schembechler Then we can hire you? Know you got Scottish in your family <laughs> it's just like I, I it's a tough job man it's a tough sell and i'd say for them going out and name chasing doesn't always work going out and getting that hot commodity out there look brady hoke rich rod rich rod was the hottest name in college football what he did with pat white at west virginia you thought that was going to show up at michigan and light the world on fire then tate forcier has like one good game and all of a sudden it's like Wait, who is Tate Forcier? Don't even remember him playing quarterback there. I just think it's a, it's a weird situation. I think for continuity's sake, I don't hate the hire. I think you you probably weren't going to do better based on the timeline of where we're at in the hiring process for a lot of these schools. I don't think you're going to have a Manny Diaz situation where someone takes a job, does a press conference, and then leaves for Michigan right now. I just think you do this, you offer some continuity. It's going to be a rebuild anyway next year. Let, let him let more put his touch on the program and see what he can build. And if it doesn't work out three, four years from now, you can move on. But you just won a national championship. So hopefully the pressure isn't on too much. I think that's yeah, Michigan. It's a unique school. I'm all knows it, too. It, it has a way of beating you down like Rich Rodriguez. By the time his tenure was up at Michigan, he was in a boosters meeting telling everybody to hold hands and singing Josh Groban out. Yeah, he loud. also looked like Barack Obama at the end of his second term. He went in there with no gray and all of a sudden look for the video. Look for the video. It, the songs like I will lift you up. And Rich Rod was singing it like with all of his heart. <laughs> I oh, mean, man. he absolutely had a meltdown. I think the guy they should hire is if that guy's so great at Baltimore, the ch kid running the defense, he was at Michigan before he went to Baltimore. Go get McDonald. You're not wrong on that. I think McDonald would be a fantastic hire for them. The only thing I'm thinking from McDonald's perspective is hey, I don't have to deal with recruiting. This is much better. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a pain in the ass running a college pro. They should get paid more, even more than they're making. <laughs> Alright, Russell Brown, we're going inside the Lions locker room next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, 
You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, bet $5, get $200 in bonus bets instantly at DraftKings when you use the promo code VSIN. It's for new customers, so sign up and get $200 instantly in bonus bets using that promo code VSIN. Remember, every day, every better at DraftKings gets a no sweat, same game parlay. DraftKings, the crown is yours. I'm all shot, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. As we welcome you back, we're going inside the Lions here in a second with our buddy Russell Brown, Josh Applebaum, betting analyst, Shane Trail, handicapper, Brennan White, DraftKings U.S. trading leads going to join, and then we'll go to the Chiefs with Matt Derrick in the final hour. We say hi to Russell Brown, the Lions Wire analyst, does a great job, fantasy betting pros, draft analyst as well, at Russ NFL Draft. So we'll have plenty of time to get into the matchup right now. It's the Lions at the Niners at DraftKings. It's the 49ers seven and a half. Remember, jumped up from the seven. But let's start with the sappy stuff, Russell. How does it feel? Give me paint the picture of our home state of Michigan as the Lions are headed to the national. Excuse me, the NFC championship game. Yeah, brother. It's a, it's an amazing feeling. Um, it, it really is. I mean, you know, just living here, growing, growing up here and everything, how passionate this fan base is, but it's, it's like everywhere you go to the grocery store, the gas station, everybody's talking about it. I mean, and I, I'm talking to people I've never even met before in my life. And it's like, you're passing by and they're like, go lions. They got the lions hats on the jerseys, the, the whole nine. And it's just, it's an awesome feeling. I mean, I'm 32 years old and I've never seen this before i mean the last time it happened i was in diapers so like to see this it's it's surreal and i've just been trying to enjoy the ride and and i said it on my podcast a few weeks ago i said it probably on this show this team is different and there's just something different about them it could be dan campbell it could be the players but there's just something different here and and i'm excited for sunday Russell, Patrick will get your selection at the end of the segment, but contrast right now with the energy and the enthusiasm with the actual expectations for Sunday just from the Lions fans and fan base. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where where everybody's – I don't think anybody's overly nervous on this matchup. I think everybody's feeling pretty good, and I think it's it's one of those where where everybody's just kind of – waiting to see what the defense does, how do they respond to to the 49ers offense, and and ultimately I think, you know, looking at the spread of this game, I wouldn't be surprised if the betting market in Metro Detroit takes the plus seven, uh, just simply because the Lions have 
everything to play for. They have nothing to lose. I mean, this is, this is it. The season either ends or it continues and they realize that and they're going to put it all on the table. So I think people are expecting a, a, a crazy game as far as maybe some high scoring, but Dan Campbell to really take some chances in this one. Okay. Russell Brown joining us, the lion's wire. Let's start talking matchups. Like, what's the first thing that jumped out at you? Lions 49ers, as far as what the lions can exploit offensively. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, for for their offense, for the Lions, they they have to find ways to run the football. I mean, the 49ers, they give up just over four yards per carry, which is quite a bit in the NFL. I mean, the Lions only allow about 3.7 yards per carry. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, fractions of a a, a yard here, but it's one of those where that makes a difference. This is the game of inches, and the Lions, if they can find ways to run the football offensively. It's going to obviously keep their offense on the field, keep the 49ers off the field. And it's one of those where the game script on the 49ers has been for teams to pass because they fall behind so quickly. Go back to week one or week two when they played the Steelers. The Steelers got absolutely destroyed in that game. They weren't going to run the football. And and there's other teams that they played throughout the year where they, you know, the 49ers ran the score up and, and they were way ahead and the game script changes. I don't know if that happens against Detroit. I think Detroit is a team that, you don't want them throwing the football because Jared Goff is so efficient with, with the dagger throw and the dagger concepts and the stuff off of play action where you're, they're going to want to try to stop the run. But, but offensively for Detroit, they are definitely going to have to get the ground game going. And then just defensively for Detroit, they have to find ways to limit Christian McCaffrey with the long runs. We know he's going to catch passes out of the backfield, but prior to this past weekend, the Lions were the only team in the NFL to not give up a receiving touchdown in the NFL. Can they limit that from Christian McCaffrey? And if they can defeat the zone blocking scheme of the reach blocks that we see from San Francisco, if John Kaminsky, Benito Jones, Aline McNeil, the guys in the middle there, if they can find ways to slow that down and fight pressure with pressure, the, the Lions defense is going to really step up too. Russell, you mentioned stopping the run. They like to run the nickel package about 70% of the times. Could that be a hindrance defensively against a team that San Francisco that wants to be run first? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, the Lions have struggled with, with four defensive backs on the field. I think adding a fifth in there, especially with with the addition of Gardner Johnson back into the fold, I think it helps them. Um, I, I think a lot of people, especially in the analytics department, forget that he has been out for most of the season. And prior to, you know, maybe the last four or five weeks, they didn't really have another presence outside of Brian Branch. Uh, the mixture of Tracy Walker and Kirby Joseph, but they've seen the emergence of Gardner Johnson back in the fold. And I feed him Elafonwu. I think those guys are going to play down in the box with Brian Branch quite a bit. They like to run a lot of cover three stuff. So you're going to probably see Kirby Joseph in the middle third, or if they run their cover one, he'll have the single high risk, you know, safety responsibility. So I, I think it, it, it's going to be kind of mix and match. And, and Aaron Glenn was in his bag a little bit against the Bucks. I think it was the best defensive game he had called. And you take away really what happened at the end of the first half. They, they slowed down the Buccaneers quite a bit in that game, but we're going to see a lot of odd man fronts. We're going to see different types of blitz packages. They're going to get aggressive. And again, just like the offense with, with Dan Campbell and going forward on fourth down, Aaron Glenn's going to get aggressive and he's going to put it all on the line. I think. Jameer Gibbs. Now it had been building and he had a tremendous year, but that was like a national breakout party last weekend. And it was mm-hmm. awesome. He, I mean, just the stiff arms, the cuts, Russell, that was sweet. Now, outside the tackles, the 49ers struggle with running backs that get outside the tackles, and that's certainly something Gibbs can do. I'm going to give you his rushing prop. His number's 47.5 over at DraftKings. So, again, rush yards, 47.5. Do you expect heavy usage as far as Gibbs? I do. Um, I I do, just simply because the trend in the second half has been – more Jameer Gibbs uh, to start the second half. So I, I don't know if David Montgomery's got an injury that's maybe lingering or, or kind of causing him to not be used as much in the second half, but it just feels like in the second half of football games, we're seeing more of Jameer Gibbs. And, and with his explosiveness, and like you mentioned, the, the ability of him to get outside of the tackle box and, and the lack of efficiency in stopping the run outside of the tackle box for the 49ers, it only takes one big run. I would take the over on that uh, just simply because I think he can have a big game. I mean, if it's one of those where you think he can get 50, 60 yards, I think it's definitely in the cards. And if, if they have a shot at winning this thing, they're going to need Gibbs to have a great game. Russell, you mentioned overs. The Detroit team total set at 21 and a half. They exceeded that number 14 out of 19 times, including the postseason this year. Do you expect them to be able to get 22 or more in this one? 
I do. Um, I, I think when you look at what the what the Packers did, I, I think the Lions' offense is, while it, it might not be as explosive as the Packers has been in recent weeks, I think it's one of those where they've been consistent across the board. And you mentioned they've hit that number 14 out of 19 times. I think you got to roll with that trend and, and trust that they can put up at least 24 points. And I, I, I think, you know, with, with where the total's at, I, I think that, that Vegas is kind of expecting a, maybe a 28-24 type game or, or maybe 31 24 31 27 type game in this one so we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out but I, I would take the over just simply because of, of where this offense is russell we had uh stoney on the other day and he nice. said he was talking about the he was talking about the popularity of dan campbell give us an idea contextualize dan campbell right now in the city of detroit in the state of michigan and his popularity Oh man. I mean, if you want to talk about a guy that if, if he, if he decided to pull like an Arnold Schwarzenegger and just run for governor, it wouldn't be, like it wouldn't be surprising if he won all the votes. I mean, he is just the definition of, of blue collar city, uh, people that, that are from this state. I mean, he understands that we've been kicked, we've been down and, and I'm taking some of the words from his first press speech, but it's just, he is such a genuine guy and you see it in the post game speeches during the week, during the, the speeches that he gives to the media. And it's just, he is a true guy that stays true to who he is and he's passionate about what he's talking about. And I, I think when you just look at him and, and, and how he's developed the trust in this locker room, it's, it's just different. And I think that's why he takes so many gambles and he, he risks it all. And he kind of just puts his, his marbles on the table because he has nothing to lose because before him, there really hasn't been much to write home about in this city when it comes to this football team outside of the early 90s and, and things like that. There's been a couple of glimpses here and there, but it's not been consistent. And him and, and Brad Holmes had to clean up a huge mess from Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, and he's done a phenomenal job doing it. And I think it's just one of those where they are they, they work in hand in hand together in tandem. And I, I just love Dan Campbell and everything that he's done. I, at first, I thought it was all talk, but it, it's definitely all show and, and some. Let's get it. I'm excited for Sunday. Russell Brown, great job. The Lions Wire, I encourage you to read them. Also, draft time. Russell's as good as anybody. At Russ NFL Draft. Make sure you give him a follow. Thank you, Russell, and uh, enjoy the football this weekend. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Great breakdown from Russell Brown. When we return, our buddy Josh Applebaum, VSIN betting analyst, our teammate, is going to join us as well. We're packed. Shane Trail, new handicapper, is going to join. Brennan White, U.S. team lead, DraftKings trading room floor. And Matt Dare will go to the Chiefs in the final hour as well. Sharp money. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.